body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody, or whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome back to another episode for episode 10 of Behind the Mask. My name is Jacob Stinson. I'm in the driver's seat today for this episode. Uh, joined alongside Ryan Rudosevich and Cameron McLaren. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing amazing. Feels a little bit weird to be back in the backseat for a second, but hey, I get to talk less, I get to chill more, and why not? So, feeling good. Uh, winter break coming up soon. Got a lot of stressful stuff to get out of the way beforehand, but can't wait for break. Yeah, just one of the best ASMR intros there from your boy, Jacob Stinson. Good job on that one, because all, all of my intros have sucked this year. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's fun. It's all fun and games until I look outside and there's still snow on the ground. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait to go back to the 60-degree weather of Texas here in uh, about eight days. So, yeah. Yeah, the weather's not going to be much better in Missouri right now. Um, it, it generally isn't. But... Uh, I get to go to a couple Blues games while I'm home. And yet, um, I think Ooh, they're playing. I forget who they're playing. They're playing one like the 29th. I don't remember who. And then uh, I'm actually get to go to the Winter Classic in Minnesota on New Year's Day. So that'll be a fun time. I'm excited about that. Wait, am I the first person to actually go to a Winter Classic out of all three of us? Um, I went. I didn't go to the actual game, but I went when they hosted it in St. Louis back in like 2017. I want to say. Uh, when they were playing the Blackhawks, um, I went to the stadium. I got to see the inside of it for like an alumni game and like all the kind of fanfare and stuff they were doing downtown, but didn't get to go to the actual game. Did you go? I have not been. Wish I went to the Red Wings Maple Leafs one in the uh, big house, but did not go, sadly. So I get to say that I was the first one to actually go to the game, even though it was in Dallas, which is kind of surprising. I'm just not big. I don't know how I'm going to feel about Minnesota outdoors yeah. on New Year's Day for like three hours. Hand warmers, toe warmers, and bring extra. That's all you need. Yes. Get yourself a good pair of tights. Maybe some alcohol. That, as that's well. the that that will be <laughs> essential. That's the only thing that saved me at that Penn State game was was tights. It's a yeah. It's a weird time to be a Blues fan too. There's the uh, they got the uh, the e bug for last week as well in Tampa. Um, what else is there? The fact that they finished the game with like 16 skaters yesterday against the against the Panthers and still managed to come out with a win. Now the Blues are starting like their third string goalie, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, moving on actually for the things you more care about, um, we're going to get a di- dive a little more into college hockey, take a quick look at the standings, and then we're going to back up a little bit, talk about some of the, some more general questions, kind of examine where Michigan State is at so far in the season, uh, recap the most recent series against Penn State, and then look forward to this weekend's series against Notre Dame. Uh, before we go, look ahead at the, for the road ahead, and then... Um, get into the pickums finally at the end. So first off, you know, it's quick rankings check. Most teams stayed the exact same where they were. Michigan and Notre Dame both stayed at number three and number eight, respectively. Um, and then two teams in the Big Ten also moved up in the rankings one spot. Minnesota jumped up to number 10, and Ohio State jumped up to number 17. Penn State and Michigan State still received votes. Wisconsin did not, surprisingly. Um, surprisingly. <laughs> That was sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at for those right now, at least. Um, but first, we're going to take a little bit of a step back and just kind of examine now where we are so far in the season. We're almost halfway through the year um, in Big Ten. So we're just kind of, we're kind of starting now to find out who teams are. But there's a little more 
uh, stuff we can discuss. Still plenty of questions that need to be answered in the second half. And so um, I just compiled a little list here, and we're going to kind of go around them roundtable fashion, just kind of give our thoughts a little bit on, on how the year's gone so far. So first up, one of the things I wrote, uh, Michigan State has a winning record, and they already have more wins than they did last year. What has been the biggest driving factor for this success so far in this turnaround? I got to go with the easy cop-out answer, the special teams, straight up. Last year, 6.7% on the power play, converting now 25%, just over 25%. It's it's a tale of two tapes. They look completely different on the power play. They're quick with the puck. They snap it across the ice. They don't they don't wait for lanes to come open. They make their lanes themselves. And because of that, Jeremy Davidson has a huge number of power play goals. And a lot of the players have a bunch of power play goals and tallies. It's just the power play looks smooth. It looks rejuvenated, different. And plus the penalty kill. Penalty kill is even better. I'm not sure what it was last season, but this year it's 81.7. It's looking good, looking sharp on the road at home. So I got to go with special teams. It's looking good. Yeah, I would agree with you that on that too because I think the whole thing we knew about Michigan State last year was that they had the off or they had the defense. They just could not find the offense to save their lives. What what was the magic number? What did we say that the um that the, that the power play finished at last year? Like about 6%? 6.7. Yeah. Sadly. So then turning around to where it is now, that's it's obviously a night and day difference and it's gone fantastic so far for the Spartans. Um Bigger than I think any, any of us expected coming into the year. Well, what about you, Cam? Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is always, you know, the special teams because you just take a look at the nine-day difference in terms of the statistics. But to me, it's a lot about getting where they're getting the production from because you're getting it from the transfer students who have immediately come in and made a big impact. And then you're also getting offense from a few guys that, you know, you bring in. You got... Jesse Tucker, who's having himself a pretty dang good year, and then Christoph Papp gets his first goal this past weekend. But, I mean, you're still getting production from him. It's just, to me, the leaders of this team are getting the point production that they need, and you're also getting it in from areas and places on the ice that you never really thought of last year because take a look at the defenseman scoring numbers because I'm pretty sure they are well above where they were last year. And you got to thank the, the, the Krieger brothers and um, – Sasana for that. Sorry. I mean, I was all the defensemen have played very well. Everybody that's on the ice just seems like they 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 know what they're doing. It's not like they're like a lost puppy like yeah. they kind of were last year, but like this year it just seems as though this team is firing on all cylinders at the right time. Yeah, and they they all seem to be more on the same page, so to speak. Um in terms of play styles complementing each other. And just, like, in general, how they move around on the ice. I mean, you take a look at the Penn State game, we're going to get into it, but the second goal that they scored on Saturday night looked like they were on the power play while they were at even strength. I mean, half the goals that they scored that past this, this past weekend were beautiful goals because everybody touched the puck, and it just, they cycled through it. It was it was magical to see because that you didn't see that last year. You got the greasy goals. Now, greasy goals are good because any, any goal is a good goal. But to me, like just the way that they're playing right now with who they've got is a night and day difference from what we've seen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, they're able to move the puck a lot better in the offensive zone too, which helps out a ton, obviously. Uh, because I remember this was an issue we talked about last year as well, was they Michigan State could not keep the puck in the offensive zone to save their lives. It's It was like almost every time they would dump the puck in and go off and change lines because they just got out of their own zone. And then whatever team they were playing would just go get it from behind the net 
break it out and boom, they're going back the other way. But yeah, they could just not they could not sustain any sort of pressure and not be able to move the puck a little more in that offensive zone. I think that's paid dividends for the for the offense so far. And you see that on all these highlight goals where it's you can find guys like Lewandowski or Nodler or whoever are all able to, you know, move the puck, find those open lanes in the defense and they're able to make uh, the other teams pay for it. But yeah, and you also mentioned people like Jeremy Davidson having a big impact. And we've talked about that a lot on the podcast so far this season, just about the great scoring contributions that the transfer people like Jeremy Davidson and Griffin Lochran both have really been able to provide to the team uh, and how that's contributed to MSU's success. But out of the people that were on the team last year, what returning players do you think have turned it around the most or helped contribute the most to where MSU currently is at. I would have to say Nodler. I just, I think him being on that line with Lochran and Middendorf, being able to be one of the guys that knows the system with them coming in. You, he knows the system because he's been here for three years, I think. I think he's a junior. I'm pretty sure he's a junior. Um, but he, he looks like he's just grown into that role of being a first-line center. And for Michigan State to have a first-line center like him that's able to win face-offs second and none, like one of the best in the Big Ten, especially last year. He was pretty high up there in the Big Ten standings for face-off percentage. But you have a guy that knows the system and is able to play well with two other guys. It's just they – I don't know what it is, but it's just the, the way that the lines shape up from week to week, it just seems like that Nodler line is just amazing on all accounts just because of you have Locker to the right side who's just scrappy. He's Charlie Combs except on steroids it seems. And then you have Eric Middendorf that if you want if he wants to score, he'll score, but he can also play distributor, which is great. But then you have Nodler who's just a centerpiece of that entire group of five that's usually on the ice. So it's to me it's got to be Nodler just because of what he's done um with, you know, bringing in two guys, two transfers onto his line and they've been one of the best lines all season, so. Ryan for me, I got to say it's it's the revenge tour of Mitchell Lewandowski. Last year, 13 points under half a point per game. This year, he's over one and a half points per game. He's shooting at a ridiculous amount, 17.6% compared to last year at 8.1. Sure, I, I think last week we talked about how he's got the players around him and that helps a lot, but you still got to be a good player. Like you, you can't just drop off a cliff, have other people come on your line and then expect you to, you know, get your production again no he's doing this himself with help but he's doing this primarily himself you don't score 1.5 points per game if you're good and Mitch Lewandowski has shot out of a cannon this season he's looking great and he's leading the team in scoring and rightfully so yeah and I I highlighted Lewandowski um specifically in the preview I wrote for this week um quick plug uh it's on the website right now live impact 89 fm.org I think it's org um, We're gonna find that out. We'll, do- we'll double check, fact check that real quick. But um, still, that was kind of the guy I wanted to highlight as well. Um, but mainly dot org. You're right. Okay, sorry. Okay, no, you're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was the guy I wanted to highlight as well. One of the stats I had written down when I was doing my research for that preview, um, I took a list of everybody's everybody in the Big Ten that is currently averaging more than one point per game. There's eight people. Lewandowski is at the top of that list averages just over one and a half. Wow. That, that's a nice stat to learn right there. 
out of everybody else on the list. Uh, yeah, who's second? The fun facts for you. Second overall is Kent Johnson of Michigan at 1.35. Wow. that Now that's a stat and a half right there. Well, it's because Michigan's able to just have multiple point-per-game scores. So, yeah. like, like hey, if you, let's just – let's just still. Chill out for a second here, but if I you, think the main thing that we can essentially say with the whole Mitchell Lewandow- the revenge tour of Mitchell Lewandowski is he's not having to force anything. He's able to play his position the way he wants to play it, it seems like right now, because you're able to to mix up the lines. You have players that play complementary to him on the same line as him, where last year it just seemed like you throw your three best players on, a, on one line and hope for the best. Like, and I hope I'm not like too far out there on saying that. It's just that line barely clicked last year of who it was Nodler, Combs, and Lewandowski. I think so. Yeah. At one point, like it just, it, it never worked. Yeah. It just seems like now that he's able to kind of still be on that leadership role on a second line, because I mean, you could, you could talk about the lines all you want, but I mean, what's a second line? What's a first line? Like, honestly, the Lewandowski line is still pretty dang good. I'm pretty sure Davidson Davidson's on that line too, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, it should, like it's yeah. this is when you're able to have multiple like high point per game goal scorers on two lines, and you don't have a big block M on your chest, that's impressive. Yeah, and th- that's another big thing with that too. Um, specifically mentioning that big block M out of those seven remaining guys on the list, just t- take a guess how many of them are Wolverines. Five. Did you look this up? No. Oh well, you're right. Wow. <laughs> the other, there, and then the other two are both on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. There are none yeah. from Minnesota, none Ohio from State, Minnesota. Penn State, or Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, the remaining on that list: Kent Johnson of, of Michigan, Max Ellis of Notre Dame, Owen Power, and Brendan Brisson, and Maddie Beneers from Michigan, and also Thomas Bordalo, and then Ryder Rolston of Notre Dame. Uh, heck, just throw their goalie in at that point. Come on, give him a point per game or something. <laughs> Who knows? Um. <laughs> But yeah, I just I I thought that stat was worth throwing out there. But yeah, it cannot. I don't think it can be overstated at all how fantastic Mitchell Lewandowski's been playing this year, especially considering he's already eclipsed his point total from all of last season, and has played in sixteen less games to get there. So, not bad, not bad. Uh, but moving on to the last question I had written down under this little preview section, um, we're gonna take a quick look at the Big Ten standings. Uh, right now, Michigan is in first right now um, with 20 points. Mi- uh, Minnesota follows them at second. Ohio State, three. Notre Dame, four right now. Uh, and then after that, Michigan State in fifth. Penn State in sixth. Wisconsin, seventh. At, if you take a look at those standings in terms of points and everything else that's factored in, besides Michigan State, what other team, if there's any, has outperformed your expectations that you had before the season. This one, it's it's clear cut. It's easy. There's not there's not even close second. It's Ohio State. Ohio State coming into the season, I don't think any of us had them making any noise in the Big Ten. Right now, they're sitting third in the Big Ten. They're nine and five. I would have predicted them. I, heck, I don't even remember my predictions. I may have put them fifth or sixth or seventh. Yeah, that's. I think that's where we all put them. I think we, if I'm right, we all put it. At the bottom, like I think we all put them in seven. I think they were preseason seven too. If I remember correctly, I think they were preseason. Somebody, seven. Yeah, somebody looked at, that up. I'm looking back at the standings right now. Uh, yeah, Big Ten preseason poll. 
was in order top to bottom. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan State, then Ohio State. Wow. Yeah, they were preseason last place. I don't remember where we where we ranked them at individually because it doesn't show in the records, but uh, probably probably close to we, it. We we were all near the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all pretty much agreed with that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just that part there has been nuts. Hey, I got more to say about it too. It's because their three leading scorers and their starting goalie all freshmen. I I did not know that until I looked today. I'm like, oh, Ohio State's doing good. I'll look into them real quick. Their top three scorers, all freshmen, all first year players. Their goalie, Jakob Dobesh, nine and four in thirteen games played, two point one four save percentage or nine point two four save percentage, not two point one four save percentage. That would be that would awful. Be, that would not be good. <laughs> two point one four goals against. They are literally being carried by first year people. It, it's crazy. It's like, wow. Okay, didn't see that coming. Ohio State, how you doing? What's going on, Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, especially so. Little backstory: uh, Jakob Dobish actually went to uh, one of my high school's rival schools in St. Louis, um, and uh... we ended up playing his team in the playoffs at some point. Uh, I think in the Final Four, and like we knew from that point that that kid was special. But I don't think I expected him to make a con- contribution off the bat at Ohio State that quickly. Yep, and I think that's the part that's been. The, the most surprising to me, if I say so. But, yeah, what about you, Cam? What, is, are there any other teams that you would that you said outperform what you thought they would do? No. I mean, nobody <laughs> nobody really takes the cake besides Ohio State. Just because if you look at it, and I'm pretty sure the standings still have, it's like three points for a regulation win. Actually, let me make sure. Yeah, because uh, just five times three. Technically, with how I, how I do, you know, scenarios with standings, I always count the games played as hypothetical wins. So as it stands, like the top two teams, Michigan and Minnesota, all have played 10 games in conference. And then technically, it doesn't do it on point percentage just because of the games played factor. But if you factor in two games played, two hypothetical wins for Ohio State, they're first in the conference with a projected 21 points if they get those three, uh, those two wins. To me, that's just, that's just surprising. Just because... They're they're defying expectations right now. Now that that being said, it's right now. Things could easily go from a hundred to zero, as anybody will tell. I mean, Dan Cole said it um, at his press conference about a couple of years ago. They they were one overtime goal away from pretty much winning a Big Ten regular season championship, and they ended up not. So it's just things can go from good to bad very quickly. But I mean. If you want to rephrase the question to teams that are underperforming, then you really have to talk about Wisconsin. But I don't think a lot of people gave them credit of how much firepower they were losing. But I would say even worse is I don't necessarily want to say Penn State, but I thought Penn State would make a bigger splash opening the Big Ten schedule than they have. They have non-conference because of who they played, but I thought they would be a lot a little bit better than where they are. Yeah, I would agree with that to an extent. Uh, the preseason poll actually flags Penn State as number five, which I find interesting. But yeah, I think, I remember you specifically are pretty high on Penn State coming into the season. Uh, everything about Penn State Revenge Tour that just hasn't come to fruition yet. I mean, you would just think that if you go through your non-conference schedule losing only one game, that yeah. you would be able to, you know, continue the good form. Like, I don't care if you're playing, like, Canisius and all of them. I under- Canisius, Long Island, like, 
okay. Yes, they may not be your perennial powerhouses, but you're still playing good games. You're winning them by three or four goals at a, like each time. Like it's I don't understand why it doesn't translate over. And they beat North Dakota too. A that very, but then you lose you lose some Big Ten teams the same way that you win against non conference teams. You get blown out. It's like I don't understand it. Yeah, we had this conversation last week too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Because, I mean, we're about to go over Penn State, but it's like, I don't understand it. I really yeah. don't. Yeah, and I'll flip that last question on its head for both of you. We'll talk out of any of the teams that we just talked about in that question, so Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, or Penn State, do you expect any of those, how many of those three teams to stay that way at the end of the year? Do you expect Wisconsin or Penn State to be better? Do you expect Ohio State to fall off a little bit? What are your thoughts? I expect Ohio State to fall off a little bit. Your top three scores are freshmen. Relying on freshmen can get a little bit iffy. You see that in every single college sport. So, sure, it's doing good for the first half of the season, but this is the first time they're in a full Big Ten schedule in their lives. You can't just look at four freshmen and say, yep, you guys are going to carry the team the whole season. No, somebody else is going to have to step up, and somebody's going to fall off. And, yeah, Ohio State, they're surprising right now, but I don't think they're going to finish in that third position in the Big Ten. Heck to the no. So if they're sitting in third right now, where would you think they would fall off to if you could? Yeah, I would say fifth, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can, I can get behind that. Um, do you think either of those bottom two teams will improve at all? I mean, I, hey, I'll throw it over Cam because Cam's got something here. Penn State. Penn State undoubtedly flips the script. I can see a world where Penn State jumps Ohio State and we have a similar, you know, swash or a similar, similar like, I want to, haymakers being thrown at the middle of the pack of the Big Ten between Ohio State and Penn State. Like, that's just how it is. I mean, I can see them being four. I could see Ohio State going to five. And it then you just figure out, okay, like, where does Notre Dame and Michigan State and Wisconsin fit in that picture? And it's like, do you, like... As a fan, I would love to see Michigan State, you know, jump up to three. That'd be cool. Uh, but I'm kind of a realist, and like I, I said on the radio over on Sunday, I pro- I see this team uh, projected seven more wins, at least seven or eight. Yeah, their schedule gets real tough in the second. You half. play Minnesota twice in the final half. Now, mind you, th- four times overall, right? This, yeah. And I, I'm probably gonna say I'm gonna say it now. Home ice advantage comes down to the last series against Penn State. It comes into those last two weeks of the of the four game homestand at Mun. Like it's that's just how it's going to happen because you're playing two teams that could essentially move their way up and down. Notre Dame and Penn State; those are the last two series of the season. I do believe Ohio State drops out. They drop down. How much I don't know. I could see them fifth if they're in sixth. I could also see that as well. But I do see Penn State crawl, or digging themselves out of the hole that they dug in deep just because of they played Michigan or they played Minnesota. At um, 3M, and then I think they played Michigan, played Michigan at, at Yost. Yep. So they get both of those games at home now. Mm-hmm. So I can see them easily getting, you know, a, a few few more wins, essentially crawling out of that sixth-place hole. I like that. Um, so, yeah, finishing on Penn State right there. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more most recently now about the game that Penn State played this past weekend against Michigan State. Um, first game was a 4-2 Penn State win. Uh, there was an empty net goal that went hit as like the clock hit zero. It was weird, but um, so really it was three two, at least uh, in terms of like what I count as real goals, quote unquote. Uh, but yeah, so in that game, Penn State took the win. 
Um, MSU took 22 total penalty minutes in that game, uh, including a, a 2 and 10 from Jagger Joshua. Um, both the Krieger brothers scored, but it would not be enough. Uh, Drew DeRitter would make 35 of 38 possible saves, and MSU lost their four-game winning streak. So what did you guys see in that game? So first thing to note, hey, both of the Krieger twins scoring, I think that's the first time in their career at Michigan State, right? I'd, I, have, I to do the, I'd have to do the deep we dive. Have, we have to butt. do a deep dive, but I don't think that's ever happened. So props to them. And there is one thing I said last week. I said on the uh, blank wins, if I said if Penn State gets a two-goal lead, that it was going to be really hard to come back. Michigan State actually did come back. Props to them. They made it 2-2. But after that, Penn State scored the third goal, and then they just couldn't come back after that. So it's you dug your, you dug yourself a, a hole early in a hard place to play. They they dug themselves back to even ground, but then after that, you let a third goal in. They couldn't tie it fourth before two at the end of it. I mean, I unfortunately I did not do my homework, gentlemen. I got to call myself out. I could not watch these games this weekend, so I'm just I'm just talking to talk. But um, I I just it's sad to see the four game winning streak go, and especially when you come back from two goals down. But it is what it is, and you know they bounce back in game two. We'll get into that later. Yeah, I also I understand that it's also very difficult to win five games in a row. But uh, question I'll throw over to Cam specifically. How preventable would you say that game one loss was? Was it really kind of a case of MSU shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak? Or did Penn State just play really good hockey to deserve that win? The, two, the two and the ten was early in the game. So throw that out of the picture. Uh, the game was three to two. Uh, the, the empty net goal, they didn't even look at it because not going to lie, the game was chippy the entire time. So good for the refs to try to just get out of there. I, I completely understand that. You know, why waste time? It's The game's already over. That being said, um, they Michigan State pretty much did kind of lose this game on themselves. The Christian Krieger goal was McDavid-esque. He parted Ooh. the Red Seas. He just went through four defenders. It, it was, yeah, that's exactly what he did. Um, so good for him. That was a very good goal. Very, very good goal. Now, I will say this, and this is the one thing, my probably one controversial um, take the the entire year, the Nicholas Mueller penalty in the third period that Penn State scored on, that was not an interference penalty. And I, and I will say this because I, I texted in the group chat because um, certain people were harping on the officiating for both games. Now, mind you, I will say this. They were bad for both teams. They were. It, it was atrocious. But for the game, for Mueller to get taken off for an interference penalty, I thought it was a trip at first that they called tripping and then they called interference. It wasn't. I'd have to go back and look at it, but in, during that time when I was looking at it, it was not a penalty. So you, when you get yourself into penalty trouble, then that's when bad things start to happen. You can't be taking that many penalties. You can't take the penalties at those times. So for me, Michigan State just lost it on themselves. Yeah, I get behind that too. Um, like it, you and I both agreed in that group chat that the officiating was bad both times. Uh, but yeah, like I said, there's there's a little bit that you can do to try and prevent penalties as much as you can uh, while still playing physical, but. When there's games like that too, when the refs are just kind of when the refs are pretty much calling anything, and you have to know better. That that's the thing. Yeah. You have to know better. Of, you have to see other. You have it. forty minutes prior to that penalty being called that you know that they're going to call something. They're itching to call something, mm -hmm. especially if Jagger gets a two and a ten in the first period, and it was a quick hook. 
a minute. A, a very quick hook. <laughs> a minute. So you you have to know better that you know any stick in a vulnerable position or you you put your hand on a guy like things are gonna get called. But I didn't think that was a penalty. Um, I didn't ask about it because that's not really my place to say. I just go and I spit. I just look and spit facts and then look at the look at the the video afterwards. So. But yeah, that uh, that's my one interruption there too. Yeah, yeah, um, makes sense. Uh, moving at least on to the second game, uh, Michigan State was able to take a four-three win. We got a Pierce Charleston sighting also for the first time since the Michigan blowout at Yoast. Yeah, um, and came back in a big way, made fifty out of fifty-three saves, uh, and even got the Big Ten third star of the week this week. Uh, Lewandowski also had a big game with one goal and two assists, and Christoph Papp got his first career goal. So. What exactly do we see there? So for the Saturday game, I mean, obviously, like you said, you highlighted Pierce Charleston just coming off cold off the bench, hasn't played a game in pretty much a month coming off a blowout against Michigan. Like you said, making 50 saves. What? That That is no, that does not happen. That that is a good goaltender sitting behind an amazing goal to actually no, That's an amazing goaltender sitting behind an amazing goaltender. And because he comes into this game cold off the bench and makes 50 saves, it it forces Danton Cole's hand. It's like, well, now maybe I should go back to the 1A, 1B that I was doing earlier in the season because, I mean, you've got two really, really good goalies. He This 50-save performance is the most saves out of any goalie in college this year. So that that is very impressive. And for Michigan State, you've got Davidson scoring his eighth goal. Sazana scoring his fourth goal. Lewandowski once again getting on the board of a goal and a pair of assists. Christoph Papp finally scoring his first goal in green and white. Congrats to Christoph Papp. I honestly thought he had one up to this point, but he's more of an assist guy. He's more of a playmaker guy, but it's good to see him get the first goal in his MSU career. But with the rest of the guys, Davis, Sazana, Lewandowski, it's your goal scorers showing up for games playing. In the previous game, you had Christian Krieger, and um, Cole Krieger scoring the goals. They're, you're not not usual goal scorers, and you did not see any Davidson, Tizana, Menendorf, Lockren, Lewandowski. You didn't see any of the regular scorers. It's good that they came back this game. It showed how valuable they were because, be, be, I mean, because of these goals they scored. And you know, Charleston, just 50 saves. Jeez, that's, that's all I got. Yeah, and I mean, you take a look at the two goals that he did give up. One of them, the first one was a fluke, an absolute fluke. Um, but to go out and make 50 saves, I mean, we all, we all knew that Dan Cole was going to play that Charleston was going to get at least one, maybe two games before the end of the semester. He said that two weeks ago. So I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Charleston come in the day after the Ritter makes 35 out of 38. Um, and you know, maybe the team let him down a little bit, but to me, it was just, they got the offense at the times they needed. They got the early goal, which was pivotal for them to do. And the thing that I thought that they did the best at was not only taking the crowd out of the game, but taking taking the Penn State players out. Because we talk about the officiating situation, the amount of matching minors in game two, just it favored the Spartans. Because there were so many things that both teams got away with to try to get each under each other's skin, especially the Sasana point after making it two to one, and they get both guys, is comical. Because they, Michigan State was able to not only take the crowd out of it, which is something that's very hard to do at Pagula, but they basically just take the spirit away from Penn State because it, they would score and Penn State would come back a few minutes later. And then Michigan State, another one. Penn State comes back, finally get that third goal 
And then you get the fourth one, and I'm pretty sure Pap scored the fourth one, which was beautiful. It didn't get called off sides, which was marginal at best, which was great because Pap has needed it. It's the third time that he's had a, he almost had a goal taken off. So for him to get off the schneid is very good, even though he's been an assist machine so far this year. So good for him. And yeah, instead of losing the game, Michigan State just said, no, we're, we're, we're quote unquote, we are not losing this game. So. Yeah, and even you guys both talked about the goaltending situation too. One of the things I think Dan Cole mentioned in this press conference was kind of more specifically that the reason Drew DeRitter was playing so much over the past couple of weeks was that he kind of forced his hand to do it. Like, Drew DeRitter was playing so well to the point where it's like, you you can't not play him right now. No. You got to ride the hot hand. Exactly. Um and but now with Pierce Charleston coming back and having these big game, big save games like he's been known to do every now and again, like the Minnesota game in the playoffs for one for one, um, with with performances like that, how much more of Pierce Charleston do you think we can expect to see going forward? It's it's yeah, it's just got to be the one and one. I mean, you would love for one goalie to take it over and take it over for the rest of the season, but. When you have two amazing goalies, either you play both of them or one of them's transfer portal goodbye. So, it, yeah, like I said earlier, forces Cole's hand. He's going to have to go for the one and one. And then, hey, if one goalie does bad and the other one does great in the series, maybe you ride him for a couple games. And then if that goalie has a bad game, boom, you got the other goalie that could back him up right there. It's It's a good problem to have. But in college hockey, when you only play two games a week, it's like it's a weird problem to have. So... Yeah, they're going to go with the one and one, but it's just like, nah, it's just weird. It's just weird. That's all. I mean, there's there's other things that, you know, go into those type of decisions. So I, I like the one and one, especially like if they if Cole decides to go with it this weekend against Notre Dame, just because Notre Dame, they're, they're a tough team to crack. And, you know, you don't want to have a goalie that, you know, doesn't have his best night the night before and to throw him back in there and him get obliterated. Like we we've we've seen that happen. Like you talk about Ohio State, you talk about Dobesh going nine and four. They've played. I mean, that's what thirteen games. He's played in all but two of their games so far this year, or all but one, or maybe three of them. Like that's just okay. Like if he has a bad performance, he bounces back with two good performances. If you think about it statistically wise, but the thing is, is that you have Drew DeRitter that you know you can count on. You know, he can make that save when you need him to. You have Pierce Charlson that's proven himself to be a, a very good 1B. You know, now you work him in to make sure that you have, you ha- like you said, the good problem to have because maybe he's maybe he's not in the position right now to think that they can that he can make the much-needed save because there were times that he was swimming on Saturday night. And, I mean, I would be too if I was fa- facing 53 shots. Like, that's just how it is. So, it's, to me... I, I don't think it's necessarily a riding Pierce Charlson or a Drew DeRitter unless you f- they technically force them to. I would much say ride the hot hand when you can because load management comes into play, especially near the end of the season. Yeah, and that's a big thing I was, harp- was going to harp on too. The, I know one of you might have said this before, on a, like a few pods ago, but there's a saying in football where it's, if you don't, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I'm talking specifically about that. Goalie is in college hockey right now is a completely different position. 
if you have two goalies that you can both roll out there and you can, and you know that they can get the job done, that is the best possible situation if you're uh, if you're a team. With what they're doing right now, it's great, especially yeah, like you said, for injury management. For if anything goes wrong, you know you can turn to the other guy and say, "Okay, stand tall for us in net. We're, let's go get a win." That's not something you necessarily could do, say, with like a backup quarterback, per se. Um, like if some if someone gets injured, if someone goes on a bad slump, uh, where they kind of can't really stop the puck very well that for a couple games, you can turn to the other guy and say, "We know what we have in this guy. We know that this guy can win us games." And so, yeah, that's one of the best things to have, in my opinion, at least. Um, but yeah, so that kind of wraps up the Penn State series. Now we can go uh, move on a little further. Uh, looking up ahead this weekend, Michigan State's going to travel all the way to South Bend, Indiana, to go take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is right now eleven and four overall and five and three in the Big Ten. Uh, they're the number eight team in the country in the USCHO rankings, and they had won six in a row, sweeping Holy Cross, Wisconsin, and Michigan uh, in two overtime games, which is surprising. Uh, before last Friday, they lost by a score of four to two to Ohio State, uh, and then they came back the next day and won five to one, like nothing ever happened. Um, so, a couple more things: the leading scorer right now, one of the on- the only two guys that are averaging over a point per game on the Fighting Irish, Max Ellis has eleven goals and nine assists for twenty points, and Ryder Rolston has six goals, ten assists for sixteen points, and fifteen games played for the both of them. Uh, and one other thing interesting to highlight, um, their goalie situation. They kind of roll a similar situation from what I've seen to what Drew DeRitter and Pierce Charlson have with that 1A and 1B where they rode the hot hand, uh, the older guy, for a little bit, uh, but it kind of resorted more, more recently back to the 1A, 1B f- format. Uh, with them, the Drew DeRitter role would go to Matthew Galida, grad transfer from Cornell, uh, and then the backup being Ryan Bishop, who's a junior. Um, in the most recent game, I talked, or most recent podcast, I talked about Matthew Golida and how fantastic his numbers were this year. Those took a little bit of a dip this past weekend. I, if I remember specifically right, I think he allowed four goals on 28 or on 32 shots. I think that's about right. Um, but so it wasn't a fantastic game on his part. Then Ryan Bishop came in and shut the door the next day and they took care of Ohio state. So. For really, just how do you, how do we think MSU stacks up against these teams? So for MSU against Notre Dame, I'm a little bit scared for this matchup. I don't like this matchup for MSU. I think it favors Notre Dame pretty well, and there's a couple reasons why I say that. Notre Dame, if you look at their schedule for the season, obviously winning winning six in a row. You said yeah, that's what yeah, winning six in a row, seven out of eight. They're on a hot streak right now. They are a good team. They've proven it against Wisconsin. Obviously, not the best. They went to Min- Michigan's barn and stole two games in overtime. And then splitting against Ohio State. Ohio State proven they're doing good this season. So they're they're on a hot streak right now. They're doing good. And the reason why I'm scared of this matchup is Notre Dame, their penalty kill, second best in the nation at 92.5. Michigan State relies on power play goals to win games. They're 6-1-1 one, one when they score a power play goal. And if you go to Notre Dame, and if you go through two games without scoring a power play goal, I don't know if you even win one of those games. Notre Dame, they could put up goals. Uh, they put up 
five, four goals, five goals, three, three, five, and five in their last six or five wins, however many games I just said there. They can put up goals. Michigan State, when they can't score on the power play, they still can put up goals, but it's it's not as prevalent as Notre Dame. And then the other stat I had here, man, I should have run this stuff down here. Yeah, the other stat is Notre Dame plays good defense. They're allowing, they're the seventh best team in the nation, allowing the seventh least amount of goals. That was a terrible explanation, but they've allowed 30 goals. That's seventh best in the nation. They play good defense. They play great penalty kill. And if you put those two things together, put them against Michigan State, I feel like it's just not a good matchup for the Spartans. And I'm I'm a little bit worried this weekend. So hopefully the Spartans can prove me wrong, but it's going to be tough going into Notre Dame's barn and trying to steal a game or two. See, I think this matchup actually stacks up a little better than you'd expect. Mm. Um, just looking at, looking at the schedule coming into it, they've won, both teams have come off a big win streak that just got broken last weekend. Along the way, you can question how great those teams that they played were. Both True. Of them, two of those wins in each streak were both Wisconsin. So, yeah. But then again, yeah, aside from the Michigan one, both those games went to overtime uh, for Michigan. Michigan State has shown that they can actually skate with Michigan as well. They The 7-2 Yoast game so, Yeah, it depends on where they're playing. <laughs> yes. But, like, if you take, for example, that second game at Munn, after the first 10 minutes, that was all Spartans. After they just that. ran out of time. They couldn't come back. Yeah. Exactly. That was kind of the whole thing with that game was it wasn't that they lost the game. They ran out of time. I think that's what Coach Cole said in his press conference specifically. So I think if you look at it, it's pre- they're pretty similar teams on paper. I think Notre Dame yeah. has a little bit higher end talent in terms of on the scoring end, uh, but both have two very good goalies that they can start. Both are able to put up, have guys that can put up points on the board. It, it matches up better than you think. Yeah, I just see their, how good they're doing on defense, and I know how much Michigan State struggled offensively against good defensive teams last year. It did play into their favor most of the times because the teams that relied on defense more usually you know, played well into Michigan State's game. They could, you know, they're complimentary games. Michigan State knows how, how to play against those teams. But then... Notre Dame also has, like you said, they have a good offense too. And it's just the recipe, it just doesn't look good for me. And yeah. I mean, the, the, the occasional football saying goes, you know, it's any given Sunday, which team shows up to play. Now, if you take a look at statistics and you take a look at, you know, head to head, Notre Dame's pretty much better in everything besides power play percentage. Like, that's just how the teams stack up. So, for me, this looks like it could, it should be easy, said, and done for a Notre Dame team to just sweep on their home ice. Now, for me, I still think that that big number eight next to their name puts a target on their head. Mm-hmm. Because nothing, like, I'm pretty sure nothing would be better for this team to go and take one, maybe two games at Compton against a highly ranked, highly skilled team in Notre Dame, a very sneaky good team, that they capitalize on your, you know, the things that you're not good at. I forgot what the word is, but it's just the things that you are not good at, they capitalize on. They they exploit your weaknesses. So for me, I, I see Michigan State coming in here like as a full-on underdog. I understand that. But sometimes it's better to be a dog like in in this scenario where this is the last game you're playing for a few weeks and you're going up against a ranked opponent in their barn. 
this is this is time to show up if you're Michigan State. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it stacks up a little better than you think, but it is definitely going to be a test, and they have their work cut out for them going into Compton this weekend. I want to hold up. I want to cut you off. Yes, this is a huge test. I talked about earlier in the season, in the season against Lowell, like what is this team? Who are they going to be? What is Michigan State going to look like? What's their identity? I think we found that out. This is their final exam going into the semester break now. This is you're going against a top 10 team on the road. What's going to happen? You're going to play close competitive hockey both games. Or are you going to get blown out one of them, come back the second? This will show to Michigan State fans and to Michigan State themselves who they really are going into break. And they'll have a lot, a lot of time to think about it, too. So this is a real crucial series on the schedule, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's something I also kind of wrote about in that preview, too, specifically. Cause I talk- On impact89fm.org? Yes. Uh, oh, wait, not FM. Whoops, I put that in there. No, FM's in there. FM's yeah. in there. There we go. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I talked about it specifically just because I thought I, – I talked about, like, the implications of the Big Ten for this for this series going forward. For, for Michigan State, if they're able to put pull out at least one win this weekend, it kind of shows that they belong in that – middle tier of Big Ten teams where I would currently rank like just below Minnesota and Michigan, but like in the mix with like Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, There's a lot of teams right now at this point where you're kind of saying like, yeah, they've settled in. They're going to stay around this general area for the remainder of the season. Like we're, we know Michigan and Minnesota are going to stay at the top. We know Wisconsin's probably going to stay at the bottom. Uh, and there's a lot of people in the middle with teams like Michigan State that we don't quite know that yet, where they're going to fit in in this picture. And they're still trying to figure that out. And so I think that's going to be the big test. This will be a big weekend of determining where exactly they fit in this puzzle of Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we'll move that forward then. Um, if Michigan State does want to pull out a win this weekend, what do they need to do? I feel like a broken record at this point, but... It's breaking that Notre Dame power play defense, scoring that power play goal on the road. It will pay dividends. I said the stat earlier about Michigan State scoring on the power play. It helps them. It aids them. It gets their offense going. It it pulls their offense out of holes when they've been you know stuck for a period and a half without scoring, without momentum. Score a power play goal. Wonders could happen in the series, but it's going to be hard against the Fighting Irish, so good luck. Yeah. Michigan State wins if they score first. I mean, they're seven one and one this year when scoring first. You saw what it uh, what it did um, Saturday night against Pagula. You take the crowd out of it early, and you continually take the crowd out every time that they thought they were coming back. That's gonna be the biggest thing that they need to do is you know try to get that first one. Once you get that first one, then then you can start playing your game because then you have the other team chasing. So for me, Michigan State score the first goal. You should be in a decent position. Yeah, for me, I would say they have to keep the game close un- until they get to the third period. Um, then they could blow them out. Well, so <laughs> my, what I'm trying to get at with that, Michigan State has been great in the third period this year. Yes. Uh, I will have to look up the exact number real quick on like what the goal differential is by period. Um, but, fun fact, Notre Dame, when either tied or trailing after two periods, are o three or o three and zero? I wonder how many so those are winless, tied. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're winless. And then when they're leading after two, they're eight and zero. 
And we know that Michigan State has done very well in the third period in terms of how, um, the amount of goals they've been able to get in. Um, it's actually evened out a little bit, I think, recently. Oh, no, mind. That's in the Big Ten games. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to frantically yeah. search for the stats I real mean, quick. To kind of corroborate your point, Michigan State's 4-1-1 and when tied going into the third. So yeah, that's yeah. essentially... It's not the goals that you want, but it's... Found it. Sorry. I, was, I just found it. Third period team. Uh, Michigan State outscores their opponents in the third period by a score of 21 to 12. Wow. That's a nice stat. That is a nice stat. You're almost doubling everybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you that shows that you're winning the third period, and they're playing all the way to the whistle. So the key is they need to keep that close through two periods, keep that tied or leading through two, and if they do that, they're golden. Okay. I like that. I like that one. So, then moving forward with that, what does Notre Dame need to do? What does Notre Dame win if they do what? Notre Dame will win both games if they score three or more goals. In every single game, they've scored three or more goals this season. They've won. They're ten and zero, and it's it just it looks like a recipe for a win. It is a recipe for a win. They're one hundred percent when they score three plus goals for. For Michigan State, it's going to be hard to score three or more goals because I've said it a hundred times already. Notre Dame's defense is pretty gosh dang good. Their goal heading pretty gosh dang good. So for Notre Dame, yeah, plain and simple, just score three plus, you're going to win some games. Yeah, I mean, I you could go for the reverse stat and see, you know, Michigan State is basically two and four or two and six whenever you know allowing three or more on the season. So that's you know good to corroborate your point. I would say if Notre Dame scores on the power play. Just because Michigan State has been like they they've been known to give up those power play goals, they can get stops five on five. It's just you, sometimes you have to stop the bleeding, and sometimes teams can smell you know blood in the water. So to me, if Notre Dame gets at least one, they may get two, just because of how many penalties this this team takes. So for me, especially with Michigan State allows uh, power play goals, they're four and five, so they're sub five hundred. So. It's if if Notre Dame scores on the power play, they should be in good position to get a couple of more and essentially win a few games. Yeah, I would say that if they can get if they can convert on the power play, that's probably going to be the big thing for Notre Dame. One of the things with them, they've been able to put points in on the board. On a they've been on a tear recently in that regard. They have only had one game throughout all of November and December so far where they've scored less. Than three goals. Yeah. And that was the two to four loss to Ohio State last weekend. Other than that, it's been four, mostly four or five goal games uh, from this team. So, really, the key for Michigan or for Notre Dame is to try and take advantage when they can get those opportunities at least because Michigan State likes to play in those close one goal games, low scoring efforts, generally speaking. And if they're able to drag them into that kind of game, special teams are going to be crucial. And so if Notre Dame can net, net one on special teams, then they should. Then I don't think they have any, any problem pulling out a win. Um, so yeah, that's kind of at least what I have for the blank wins. If um, we're going to take a quick look ahead at the schedule so far, uh, so this series against Notre Dame will be the last Big Ten action the Spartans will see in all of 2021. Uh, all they have left before the new year will be uh, GLI Great Lakes Invitational, where Michigan Tech and Western Michigan, now I think ranked number four in the country. Uh, will both be coming to Mun to play the Spartans. Holy moly, they're fourth now. Uh, I want to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. 
Uh, yeah. Yep. They're number four. Wow. Right after Michigan. Ooh, Western. Yeah. Western. <laughs> Western's a better State. team. Wow. Western is a better team than Michigan. I'd say that right now. They they look so dang good. Wow. They they are potent. Exactly. So that will be a game. That will be a game coming to Mon this uh, over the holiday break. Uh, and so after this game, they'll be done with Big Ten play for a while. Good Next. riddance. <laughs> the big the Big Ten schedule in 2021. Oh, if we geez. talk about last year too, or technically last season, oh my gosh! Thank God that it's over. Right after the break, though, they get right back into it, and they do not get a warm up game. Right after the holiday break, their next Big Ten series is the Friday and Saturday before classes start again, uh, January seventh and eighth, back here at Mun against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yeah, mom better be using the reduced fat like cream of mushroom soup for that green bean casserole because. Uh, the wheels may be a little bit slower after that one. I know for sure I would be. Yeah, they got they come out of the break and they got to get firing again. So uh, that's it looking ahead for the road uh, going forward for Michigan State for now. Uh, so now we'll bring it back to the pickups. The pickups. Why do I get excited? I am so far down. Yeah, I was going to say, I would not be celebrating if I were the you, pick-ups. Ryan. No, this is like Ryan is just like exuding confidence on the outside, but on the inside, it's just. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I don't even know if it's confidence. It's just me saying words, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We're leaving you in the dust. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll just recap the games that we, that we predicted last week. Um, first, North Dakota, number seven, split, number five, St. Cloud State. Cam and I both got that one right. Ryan did not, and so we yep. just picked up a point. Uh, that was a big thing, too. Lots of, literally every game on the slate for that week was a split. Boring. So Banana. Could have taken the most boring banana. strategy ever. Could have gotten you a solid five points. Wait, hold but up. There's no fun in that, though. Best banana split you guys ever had in your life, go. I don't eat banana splits. <laughs> like, I don't go. I, don't I, don't banana recall, I can't recall the last time I've ever eaten a banana split. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Because <laughs> I don't eat I mean, it. I haven't had a banana in, like, two months, dude. Like, it's... Whoa, whoa, your potassium levels are down. I could see it, man. So yes, no, I can't. that that Go, keep going. <laughs> that that Nodak and Saint Cloud split was the only one that more than one person got right. Ryan still didn't get it right, um, but mm. Cam and I did. We both got a point. Um, then number three, Michigan split with Minnesota this week, this past weekend. Very weird series. Uh, Minnesota won five to one in the Friday night game, and then the six two game, or I mean, and then the Saturday night game, Minis- Michigan came back and smoked them six to two. Um, for this to even out the split, uh, I was the only one that got that right. Sorry, Kevin Ryan. Uh, and then, but no, it's fine. It's it's okay because everybody got one that no one else got. Uh, for example, yeah, true. Num- number eight, Notre Dame went and split with Ohio State, as we talked about a little bit before during that preview. Um, Ryan was the only one that predicted that right. Ooh. I I hold on hold on I really got to cut you off. This one's worth it. I just have to thank everybody. This is my first point in three weeks. I like to thank my mom, my dad, all my friends. I got me to this moment. It feels good, guys. It feels real good. I'm like that one meme on Twitter where everybody's on the podium, then they go to the last guy with the champagne, and he's just in last place celebrating. I'm that guy right now. I I, I <laughs> like the, I like the <laughs> optimi- I like the optimism. Yep. But uh, I think you and I both were a little too optimistic last week. Uh, we both predicted a Michigan State sweep over Penn State. That didn't happen. Ended up doing a split. Cam got that right. Got the only point out of that series. So overall on that week, I picked up two points. Cam also picked up two points. Ryan picked up one. 
So Cam and I stay even. Ryan further widens his gap. Hey, how's it going, guys? In the last place. So currently sit, I sit at 29 points in first place. Cam sits at 23 points in second. We could just say I'm last. We could just... We just cut it off there. I'm last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan sits in dead last at 15. So, yeah. Now we'll get into the actual game slate this weekend. First up on the docket, number three, Michigan goes into Columbus for a rematch series of the of the game of the football game uh, to take on the number 17 Ohio State Buckeyes. Who we got? I am going to. Predict a split. It's a rivalry series against two good teams. Uh, Ohio State hockey team is going to look to avenge a football team, pick up one at home. So it's going to be close. It's going to be a split. Cam? Michigan. Mm -hmm. That's it. Hockey school. I'm not saying it because last time I said that they split. So I I really want these two (laughs) points. I really want these two points. No, I got Michigan. I could give you like a dollar. That's all I got, though. I, I think they have th- they're they're a school. I won't say what type of school they are, but <laughs> they, they, are they are a school. A school. <laughs> they are a school they that is going, going to travel forward. to Columbus to play Ohio State, and yeah, I got them winning hot, both games. Hot take. Uh, very. Michigan is a school. <laughs> Michigan is a school. Hot takes. Now that I can agree on, sadly. <laughs> I got a split here. I think Michigan is going to get revenge for the football team uh, in one game. But Ohio State last weekend just split with another top 10 team. Don't see why that changes here. I got to split. Um, next on the docket, a battle for what is the bottom of the barrel right now in the Big Ten standings. <laughs> the bottom of the, the battle of the bottom of the Big Ten. Yes, love it. Love exactly. the alliterations. Exactly. Um, so, yes, the Penn State Nittany Lions will take a trip up to Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Who we got? They will sweep. Penn State will sweep, and hopefully two points are awarded to me and maybe some of you guys once you find your picks. Yeah. Yeah, Penn State, nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> Very quick with these today. Um, I just, there's there's no reason. Uh, this The whole thing I said on the Wisconsin preview episode of this podcast was, I will pick Wisconsin when they give me a reason to want to pick them. So you're never going to pick them this year, no, are you? I, no, not, you're not. I'm not picking them. I've got a Penn State sweep here. Um, would anybody like to guess how many games in a row Wisconsin has either lost or tied? Seven. Um, are you sure you didn't look this oh up? My oh, my God. God. That's two for two. <laughs> what? They lost six in a row going in. Or no, I'm going to go play the lottery sorry. tonight. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, they lost, no, sorry, they lost five in a row going into this past weekend. Or, yeah, no, sorry, the weekend before that, they played Clarkson. And That's a good team. It is yeah. a good team. That's a good team. Which is surprising when I say that the first game they tied one to one. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot they did that. And then came back and lost three nothing the next day. Good but, for them. Yeah. So, Penn State, Cur- <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry. While neither team has been great in the Big Ten, their last win, their last two wins, which is the weirdest part about all of this. November 5th uh, overtime against Minnesota. Yeah, that's and, why I said seven. And then the win before that, 4-2 um, at Yoast. Yep. Yeah. That's I just weird. They were just a just weird whack. team. Yeah. 
makes zero sense. And then they've lost or tied every game since then. I could see them stealing a game against Penn State, but I I can't fall back even more behind you guys. So, yeah, I just went with this the is Penn just, State sweep. It's just no. It, I don't see it happening. Wisconsin just does not look good at all. Watch them sweep this series after we finally like just come out and just smash them to the ground. Open and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. And last Big Ten game we have uh, scheduled for this weekend because Minnesota is not in action. Michigan State goes on the road to South Bend to take on number eight Notre Dame. I'm a little bit scared of this matchup. I think this matchup favors Notre Dame, and they're a good team at home. Give me the Notre Dame sweep. Yeah, I see. I see them taking one apiece. It's just easier that way. Michigan State plays pretty decent at Compton, um, and I think that big old number eight next to Notre Dame is a little bit of a target, a little bit of chip on their shoulder. So, I see Michigan State trying to, you know, get at least one more Big Ten win before the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's going to be close, but I got to split here. I see Michigan State taking one of these games in overtime or something like that. Or close game down to the wire, one goal game. I think a sweep for Michigan State's unrealistic here, just given how good Notre Dame is. But I think Michigan State's proven that they can hang with the big dogs if they come ready to play. And Notre Dame is looking like they're one of those teams right now. I think Michigan State can get one on them. Uh, but I think two is a little unrealistic, but for now I'm going to pick a split. And then that that wraps up Big Ten pickums, but one more that we have today for one point. If you thought that I wasn't going to host an episode and not talk about the St. Louis Blues, Ooh, you'd be so were mistaken. wrong. Yes, um, I was tired of all of the St. Louis Blues slander that gets, keeps getting thrown around on this podcast in my group in the group chats with these with these gentlemen here. Hooligans. And so. And so Who would I do such a thing. And I so I decided not not mainly you and I just sit back and watch it. Totally not just Cab doing most of it. Fair, <laughs> but I decided there's no better opportunity for an extra point in the Pickums than to highlight the Blues that play the Detroit Red Wings tomorrow night. So the local team comes to St. Louis tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. Uh, so for one point, who we got in this game? I have, surprisingly enough, hold hold your horses here, guys. The Detroit Red Wings winning this oh, no. game. Yes, I do. I, I think, hey, they're fun this season. I, I like watching them. I like rooting for them. Hey, if I could steal a point in the pickums, why the heck not? Go Red Wings. Yeah. Um, you thought it, it's getting more like a risky, risky pick by the by the minute, but it's one point. Oh my god. <laughs> well, no. So what I'm saying here is the Blues have been dealing with so many injuries, and it has not gotten any better recently. They played the last game they were in. They could only dress 17 skaters instead of the usual 18 uh, because of— They'll throw me in there. I'll throw the game for them. Because of a combination <laughs> of like weird salary cap issues and injuries and COVID, and everything that could possibly go wrong that has so far with injuries to— uh, ha- like half the team's good players, like Justin Falk, David Perron, Jordan Bennington, all gone right now. Um, on co- on COVID, Robert Thomas also. So they've had issues out the wazoo right now, and it's getting harder and harder to pick them. But 
it's a pride thing. I have to pick the Blues right now. I don't know how confident I feel in this pick. They're going to be starting their third-string goaltender because in the last game they played uh, last night against the Panthers, for so of all teams, the Panthers, uh, they their backup goaltender, Ville Husso, got hurt and had to leave the game. So they had to finish the game with their third-string goaltender now, uh, Charlie Lindgren, who's going to be getting the start in the in the Detroit game tomorrow. So it's more of a pride thing than anything. The Blues have found ways to win before. They're uh, not going to now. But I, I think it can happen. <laughs> I don't know how confident I am in it, but who knows? Anything's possible. The Blues are going to give you the Blues, brother. That has been that, that has been my experience. That's been my experience <laughs> as a fan for my entire life pre twenty nineteen, except oh, for geez, one year. That one year, okay, cool. Who cares? And then um, we've kind of gotten back down to that level a little bit in in some regards. Wah, 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 wah. So, wah. as the resident Dallas Stars fan and a person who had to play the Red Wings a lot of times last year, and. Has to play the St. Louis Blues a lot of times in the past. Well, since they realigned the divisions, um, a smart betting man would bet the home team. But in order for St. Louis to win this game, they're gonna actually have to sign a few players, and one of them is <laughs> Charlie Conway. You're gonna need to sign a forward, and you need Charlie Conway on your team because he can score with the triple deke. Okay. But I don't see they they can't sign players midseason. So for that case, I've got Detroit Rock City going into Enterprise and stealing a game from the St. Louis Blues, mainly so that way my stars can jump you in the in the uh, Central Division playoff race, even though there's only been 26, 27 games. So yeah, sorry Jacob, Blue Slander continues next week again. He's rocking off the wings. I'm just that's say- the only time this will ever happen. I swear to God, if it ever happens again, bury me alive. We're going to a wings game though. When either Dallas or St. Louis is in town, well, St. Louis or St. Dallas has already St. Louis has already played. St. Louis has already came to to LCA, and I think Dallas has too. So, I hope or those Dallas them. tickets were like sixty bucks, and I don't know about Gee, you, but I'm okay. not spending no, sixty no. bucks to go to LCA. Too fair. Is it really to be fair sixty? Wow. To be fair enough, I'm pretty sure the Blues tickets were somewhere around eighty. I mean, Dang, I did just that. spend a little bit over four hundred to go to the Peach Bowl, so. Hey, I mean, it's worth it though. It that's, is. It that's is the Pat Narduzzi Bowl. Woo! The Kenny Bowl, man. Are you no, Kenny no. Pickett? Kenny, Kenny Pickett's like yeah. might not be playing in that game. What? Yeah. Oh. This is a hockey podcast. Yeah. Kenny, <laughs> I know, thing, I but think. Kenny Pickett has got to be licking his chops, looking at MSU's defense. Like, oh my, who wouldn't want to play in that game? Like, let's be real. Any quarterback. I don't yeah. know. That's yeah. This is a hockey podcast. <laughs> But yeah, all I'm saying though, Enterprise is a tough has been a tough place to play apparently recently. Oh, I'll give a flip flop about Enterprise, well, dude. I'll go so, rent a car there if I want. So the in more weird whatever is going on with the Blues Net uh, news right now. They've had re- their past four games have been home and home series with Tampa and Florida. Blues news. And so when both Florida and Tampa came to St. Louis, they lost both games. And then when the Blues went to those games out in Tampa and Sunrise, the, it, the Blues ended up losing. Yeah, it just is what it is. Because they took a trip to Disney World. Sure. Yeah. They went to Disney World. Yeah. But, so, yeah, that's all I'm saying with that. It's a tough place to play. I think Blues, it's possible, but I don't know. Anyways, uh, that's kind of, that wraps up the episode for today. Um, just one last time, go read my preview, impact89fm.org. <laughs> um we will be next. We will. We will be back next week. By the way, we will do an episode. Yeah, we're planning on doing an episode uh, yes. for next week. 
just do kind of a little bit of a mailbag segment, Hopefully, I think is what yes. we're looking at doing. So be on the lookout for the for a tweet from either Cam, me, or Ryan, just looking out just you know, looking for mailbag questions. Feel free to submit one to the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Just you, send us your questions as yeah. we're already questioning our decisions about college majors, essays that we probably shouldn't have written, you know, because finals week, it, it makes you question life itself. It does. Like, it does. So, it does. you know, give us your very, you know, very good questions that we can try our best to answer. And where can they tweet you guys uh, if they have questions ooh, ooh, ooh. or look for a tweet that you can, they can respond to with some questions if they have them? You could go to at. Ryan Rodosovich, clearly everybody knows how to spell that. No? Okay, never mind. I'll fill you in. At R-Y-A-N-R-A-D-O-S-E-V-I-C-H. And then for me, which I don't know if I'll actually be, you know, I may reply to a few people if they do submit some pretty hot take questions. Uh, you can follow me at, at Cam McLaren, which is, or Cam underscore McLaren. So C-A-M underscore M-C-C-L-A-R-R-E-N. And then my Twitter as well would be Jacob F. Stinson, S-T-I-N-S-O-N, F as in Foxtrot. Uh, yep. I don't really tweet from mine, so it's probably not going to be me. But who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe my Twitter will get an appearance this weekend. Ooh. But well, who never knows? Um, mm. But yeah, so there'll be no broadcast this weekend because we are we got finals to study for. We're not going to South Bend. Uh, but yeah, be on the lookout for that tweet about next week's episode. But other than that, that should wrap things up here at Behind the Mask. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and, yeah, tell a friend about the show and let us know what you think. Uh, but signing off for Ryan Rodosevich and Cameron McLaren, my name is Jacob Stinson, and we will see you all next week. Thank you all for listening.